Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome in to the Brett Allen Show. Our guest today is comedian Michael Jr. And I'm telling you, if you are not familiar with this man, then you need to be. All you really need to do is just head to Google and type in Michael Jr., Michael Jr. Comedy. And when I started this podcast, well, interview podcast, when I switched over, he was somebody who was on my list that I absolutely wanted to talk to. And I tell you, he's just one of these type of people who are very deep thinking, thought forward thinking. And uh, and we'll talk about this in the interview. We covered it a lot, but he's not your typical run of the pack comedian in the sense of, you know, it's not joke, joke, laugh, 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 joke, joke, which isn't bad. And it is what it is. Every comedian's different, but he really makes you earn the laugh, makes you think about it. And we get into the art and science of his comedy and really his thought process when it comes to writing jokes. And he doesn't do it the typical way most comedians do, which I find even more fascinating. And we'll get into all of that in the interview. Thanks for listening and supporting the Brett Allen Show. You're going to enjoy this interview with Michael Jr. Thanks again. You're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Dude, thanks for having me, bro. I really appreciate you, man. This is pump you. I've heard great great things about the podcast so i'm pumped thanks for having me dude yeah well i do my best and uh i love having fantastic people on like yourself so many things to talk about but i want to start out with this brand new book which just released funny how life works and i have to say i read this in probably a couple days once we got this whole thing booked and i have to say it almost feels like the perfect solution to kind of what we've been going through this last year, Mm. even though, you know, it's not directly related to that per se, but just kind of how you approach the book and really just get candid and personal about your experiences and really sort of, for me, kind of put a book into this last year that's been insane. Let's talk about the book and For people who have not had the opportunity to read it, can you just kind of give us a a synopsis or or what your hopes and expectations are uh, for people when they hopefully get the opportunity to read the book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (coughs) First of all, thanks for thanks for reading it. I really appreciate that, man. So it's called Funny How Life Works. And I get to travel the world doing stand up comedy, but I also am really kind of called to. I feel like I really want to inspire people to walk in the purpose that they have in their life. And comedy is a great way to attract people, but I don't just, it's like you open a refrigerator, you want to pull something out. So comedy opens up people's hearts. So if I'm going to open a heart, I want to make a deposit that can make a positive change as well. So the book is full of real, completely true stories from my life. And uh, I just tell them in a way where the reader 
can go, the reader can line up and understand how this could apply to their life. And then we actually give them a, some sort of application at the end of each story. So there's funny and there's emotion and there's like, I think you're going on a pretty good ride with this book. You really do. And I found moments where I got a bit emotional just because of the fact that I'm a father myself. And so mm. I can relate to your storytelling just on a very personal mm. level, right? Because, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but, you know, I've had so many different comedians on and I've talked to a lot of comics and really it's just sort of this genre that where everybody, although they're different, they all kind of compile into one sort of pile as far as joke, joke, oh, laugh, wow. joke, joke, laugh. But you, I feel like kind of take us in a different direction. And that book wow. really helps us get the honesty, right? Because I feel like wow. when I walk away from your comedy, I don't just walk away or when I walk away from the book, I don't just feel like I've been made to laugh. And uh, wow, that's man, it, that right? Perfect. That's exactly what I was trying to hit with this book. People are going to laugh and have fun because it's my life and I'm telling the stories, but I want people to take away a little more. Like my, my last comedy special was actually called More Than Funny. Right. Not because it's extra funny, but because I want people to take a little more than just the laughter away. So, wow, the fact Brett, that you got that is big, dude. That is awesome. Yeah. I, well, I think it's for me, you know, just coming from a journalistic perspective, it's kind of hard to not come away with that, I feel like, mm. because- when you write this book and you're putting these stories together, how do you decide like what part of your life? I mean, you're very honest anyway, I think when you're on stage, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like as far as getting more personal and candid, like how do you decide these are the stories that I'm going to share with the reader? Great question, man. So what, what, I, what I did was I took a bunch of the stories that I had for my life and I laid them all out on a table, literally on a table. And I actually prayed. I was like, okay, what are, which of these stories are going to help people where they are right now in the midst of everything we're going on, which of these stories. And if you remember, there's a story in there about uh, playing basketball yeah. and something that shows up in the crack of a, of cement. That is a story that I wasn't going to share because it's so unbelievable. Like when you hear what happened, like a guy ends up proposing to this woman, but the circumstance is impossible. So I felt like the story shouldn't have went in a book. I really did. I was like, nobody's going to believe this. Like, it's it's actually unbelievable. But it's 100% what happened. So I put it in there. And the feedback has been tremendous where people needed to hear that story at this time. And it's really, really blessed them in a cool way, man. So, I mean, it, it feels good to know that people are getting from the book what it is I was hoping they would get. And, and probably even more because I'm really not that smart. But. <laughs> well, I think you are, you know, I don't think you're self-deprecating, but I mean, just as you mentioned, you know, about the unbelievable stories. I mean, that's not the first time where you've told a story like that. I think the most recent and just kind of a sidebar here is when you were at Life Church and you told mm. the story about the vehicle and the comedy show oh, yeah. where you People yeah. paid to come see you, but you weren't appearing. And then you got the vehicle. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I thought that yeah. was great, by the way. Um, yeah. I would have probably note. been one to buy a ticket, just to be honest. Because no, I could, Listen, I could tell you what about a ticket. And for those listeners who don't know, we actually did. We did a, a comedy show fundraiser called the No Show Comedy Show. Yeah. <laughs> and so tickets to a show that would never happen. 
and people knew it wouldn't happen. And then we, we blessed a family who adopted uh, 12 kids. It was really kind of cool. It was really, really awesome, man. Yeah, and that, that story is so powerful, but it didn't even make the cut for the book. It's not even in the book. All the other stories that kind of trump that one in this season are the ones that are in the book. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I also like just your whole mindset of, you know, the whole Starbucks scenario, you know. Oh, yeah. I've done that a few times. Well, probably gotten the free Starbucks, you know, (laughs) and then uh, if I'm being honest, but then the one time, a funny story, it was In-N-Out Burger, actually. I had gotten blessed with some extra money for some work and decided Mm -hmm. that I wanted to hook people up at In-N-Out and I was going to pay for the car behind me. (laughs) And she's like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, that'll be $185. (laughs) And so at that point I felt like I had been obligated and I was like, well, God will bless me no matter what, but I I get, I get all of that. I love it. And we will make sure people can get a link to the book in our show notes so people can Read yeah, it absolutely. if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's free as part of your Kindle. So, I mean, yeah. there's really no excuse. And again, as I as I wrap up this part, I think, especially with this last year, it was really kind of a good medication, vaccination, whatever, to kind of just ease like the craziness that we've been through in oh, the last year. You. Not just pandemic awesome. wise, but just as a country, right? It's been insane. Good. And Thanks, um, absolutely. I appreciate that. Well, we'll check out the book. People, please do. But if people aren't familiar with your comedy, it's it's and I mentioned this early, but I'll dive into this more. It's not the typical, you know, joke, laugh, joke, laugh, joke, laugh. But I feel like that you make the listener or the observer work a bit harder to appreciate the humor, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I actually do. That's a great uh, observation, because when I write comedy, I'm actually doing it so about 93% of the audience will get the joke. But more importantly, 7% should not get the joke. And, and it'll be a rolling 90, 93%, meaning if you didn't get the first one, you'll get the next one. Right. I think it's important that comedy be written in such a way where the audience has to kind of work for it because then the reward, I mean, it's just more rewarding. You're like, oh, yes, I got it. And then you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. But if it's too easy you lose interest in it like really, really fast. It's like a lion that sees a sheep that's tied up. You're like, really? You're tied <laughs> up? Like you want the sheep to take off running so you can go after it. So same thing with comedy. People really want to do the work because it's more of a reward once they, once they actually get to that punchline and are able to receive it. So we did the same thing in the book, not just with the jokes, but the way we told the stories, the way we kind of lead you on. Like there's a story in the book that you know about a guy who, came to my show and he was actually a fugitive of the law. Yeah, that was so wild. That is crazy, right? He comes to my show. He's a fugitive of the law, wanted by the police in different states. And he comes to a comedy show, really. And he explained to me, he said, I came here to get away from it all. It was really, (laughs) it's a lot going on. It's a lot of pressure. And then he tells me, he confesses to me that he's running from the police. And because of what was said during the comedy show, because again, like you said, I'm not just doing jokes only. Because of what was said during the show, he actually asked me if I would help him turn himself in so he can get his life together. And we did it, dude. Like, we called the police. Doggone squad car shows up. He gets in the back of the car and pulls off. I'm like, man, either I said something really powerful during my set or my comedy set was so bad, he was like, it'd be better in prison, man. <laughs> one of the two. Either way, it was a powerful moment, man. And this is one of the 
25 really cool stories that we share, man. Yeah, yeah. You do make people work for it, which I like because I feel like, too, probably as a comedian, if you can get the hook at the beginning and get people mm. on board, then it's not just like, again, I'm not saying anything negative about other comedians, but you know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like it's not just, I'm not coming to just simply be entertained, but walking yes. away yes. with like, a, you know, a positive <laughs> message. Well, a gospel message oftentimes, but really just more of like, this is thoughtful. You know what I mean? And not yes. just, okay, you know, we laughed for an hour. Michael's funny. Oh, I hope he does his, you know, I'm on break bit where you're kind of waiting for the greatest hits, but really it's just yeah. kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Dude, like you are nailing it right now. You are nailing it. <laughs> Thank you. And, and that's really what caused this shift, man. Instead of trying to get laughed, because if your mindset is to get laughs from people and you're a comedian, you would never notice that. You would right. just be like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But it's pretty easy to tell that you in general, like you personally, want a little more out of life than just entertainment. Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, so yeah, no, I could tell. Like, trust me, I, we just met, but I can tell. So, so that's why you were able to notice these things in the book and even with me. So even as a comedian, I'm on stage and I'm bringing the jokes. I've done the Tonight Show. I'm doing all these TED Talks, Jimmy Kimmel Live. But I even started thinking, man, am I really delivering what I really need to deliver? Like, am I really, do I, will I feel good about this? And again, you come on my show and 98% of it is all funny. And then 2% may be a little some extra. And more times than not, it's exactly what that person needed. Like the story about the lady who uh, comes to my show. She's $137 negative in her bank account. Negative. I say some stuff at the show. I'm just doing a joke. I don't have no plan. I never schedule this stuff out. I just said what I said, and I come back a year and a half later. Well, she approached me that same night, came to my autograph line and said, do you remember me? No, no, no. She said, she said um, I get it now. That's what she said. This is chapter 22. And I, but she didn't even buy anything. I'm like, you get what? You didn't buy nothing? Anyway, so she didn't buy any merch. She leaves. I come back a year and a half later, and she says, do you remember me? I'm the one who approached you, and I just said, I get it now. And strangely enough, I did remember her. She goes on to explain to me that uh, she came to the show that night. She was $137 negative in her account. She's a school teacher. And on top of all these other issues she had, her favorite student just informed her that she wouldn't be coming back to school because her dad, um, she never met her dad before. Her mom was going to prison and she didn't want to get caught up in the foster care system. So she told her teacher she was leaving. The teacher comes to my comedy show that night. And on stage, I explain how comedy works, how there's a setup and there's a punchline. The setup is when a comedian will make you think one way. The punchline is when he changes direction. I also explain how life works. There's a setup and a punchline. The setup is what you have received in life. Your punchline is about what you're called to deliver. And even our setbacks are part of our setup so we can deliver the punchline we're called to deliver. Well, I say this and a few other things, and people really get it. We laugh. She said, she said when you said that, I knew what I had to do. She went home and she called that student up. And she said, I don't know what this looks like, but why don't you come stay with me for a little while so we can figure it out. And then she explains to me, she said that same Sunday night when they were unpacking her clothes, she found that the student had written a suicide note that wow. was dated for the same night as my show. And then she stands there and she looks at me and I'm trying to hold it together. And she says, uh, she said, Michael, I can't tell you what it meant that you said what you said. In the midst of laughter, though, is why she really received it. I'm not something. And then she said, um, I want to know if you'd like to meet her. She's here. I've adopted her and her little sister. Would you like to meet him? Dude, I couldn't even turn my head to look 
for about wow. five minutes because I was going to break down in tears. All of this stuff is happening at a comedy show because I started asking what can I give as opposed to the default of what can I get. And I'm not talking about money. It's great when you get from the hip. It's a game changer when you get from the heart. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. And that's what you notice, dude. Like I'm picking up on that in a significant way. And that's why your podcast is so successful too, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, for me, like, you know, I'm going to, if I'm going to spend my money on a show, I'm going to, you know, whether it's no matter the comedian or what, I want to go to one where I know I'm going to get more out of it than just, you know, an hour's worth of laugh, which I mean, I've done that obviously, but if I had a preference, you know, I would go see you or maybe a Gabriel Iglesias or somebody where I know that it's going to be even a a full experience. Like even Joe Coy talks about, I mean, that talks about their family in a positive way or whatever. It's just kind of like all of that for me. And, you know, the, the thing that I find fascinating about all of this is that your comedy really plays to both sides of the aisle, you know, whether it's a church mm-hmm. setting, a club, you know, Kimmel, the tonight yeah. show, it doesn't really matter when you, we've talked about this a little bit, but when you're writing your jokes, do you have a particular audience in mind that you're writing it for like some do, or do you just work it out and make adjustments from there and kind of work out the material? However, your process yeah. is to work it out. So what I'll do is I'll write jokes. And I talk about the process in the book some too, but I'll write a joke just off of the fact it's a joke. Then I'll kind of string them together. And then before the event, I'll actually pray and be like, okay, what lineup should I do for this particular audience? And then even after I do that, when I'm on stage, I'm also fully adjusting everything as I go and I'm listening. And the question I'm really asking even while I'm on stage is what can I give to this audience? And most of the time it's more comedy, but sometimes it's something a little extra. So I do a lot of preparation to get on stage. So I have a map on where I want to go. But because I have a map, I can go anywhere and still know where I am. That's that's really how I walk on stage. Yeah. So no matter where you might go, methodically, you're always everything's going to meld together no matter exactly. what. Exactly. And I've noticed that on other things that you've done. Do you go to the clubs and work out new material or do you just kind of if you're going to do a string of events, are you doing Mm -hmm. comedy? And then maybe like one night, oh, I'm going to try out some new jokes and see how they work. And if they play well, great. If not, people are still going to have a good time. Yeah, dude, I'll do both. I mean, I'll when if you see me on stage, if somebody comes out and sees a Michael Jr. show this year, there's going to be some brand new jokes in there that I haven't done anywhere yet. Just because I'm constantly, constantly working. I went to my daughter. I went to drop my kids off at school, you know, during this pandemic. And I noticed that they would take their temperature before they get out the car just to make sure their temperature is low. And then when I went to pick them up, like they didn't do anything. So I was like, man, shoot, I'm going to take their temperature before they get back in the car. Like, I don't know what you did with them. Like, I I need to check the thing, too. So I'll write that down. I'll write that down and then get in front of a mirror or in my hotel room or at home and just start to process that thing out and work it out in a significant way where it's really, really funny, presented to the people. But also while I'm on stage, I'm asking God, okay, what would, what would you have me to give to this audience? And then in the midst of doing that, it may be a parenting tip or something that's added to that joke. Yeah, because I feel like as a just a general observer of entertainment, I might be painting with a broad brush, but I think, well, I'm just going to say it. And if you agree, that's great. If not, like if I go to a Christian comedy event me anybody 
I feel like we almost almost feel like entitled that this has to be funny. Like if it's you or Smiley or Chris, whoever the case might be, but even those guys play to different audiences. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, is that a, that's got to be a lot of pressure on you to like be do you, do you feel the pressure at all to make people I know you don't feel the pressure to make people laugh, but is there any kind of pressure that you deal with when you're getting ready to perform? let's say in one setting over another. No, I don't really feel, man, it's so cool because when I get on stage sometimes, like I'm okay every time I get on stage, I'm okay if I get up there and nobody laughs. Great. Like what if I get up there and just do a miserable job and people are like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> I don't really know how, like God may want to use that in some way I'm not aware of. There could be a right. dude in the back who's suicidal, who just saw me eat it. And he was, and he was suicidal because he had an embarrassing moment at school. Then he sees me eat it. And he's like, you know what? It's not that bad after all. Like, I don't <laughs> know. Like, I just don't know. So I'm going yeah. up there to, to I'm going up there to bring the funny as hard as I can every time. But as long as I did my best, even if they don't, don't laugh, I don't know what the math is on the other side of that. Right. Like if I get a flat tire, I'm not upset because I'm not getting to my destination. Maybe the tow truck driver has something to say to me that's going to encourage me. Or maybe I'm supposed to say something to him that's going to encourage him. So I try to roll like that as much as I can and just just be free flowing. I love it. And I think that's what separates you from the comedy pack as far as Mm. your peers and things like that is I think, again, it was live church. I just was watching and you're like warming the audience up. You're making jokes about Craig and stuff. I'm rolling and (laughs) and people are just you said something about I think he likes to cuddle or something like that. And the audience it's kind of, it seems like just kind of not sure what they're supposed to do. And you're like, it's comedy people. It's funny. We can laugh. You know, it's okay to laugh at anything. It loosens people up. I think. Yeah. That's what I'm all about, man. Even with funny how life works, even with this book, man, I wanted people to laugh out loud, but at the same time, hear some pretty amazing story. Like one of my favorite stories in the book that it just touched me a lot was and it was when the police officer put the gun in my head and put the hammer back. Like that is a really awesome story. Yeah. I know your listeners right now is like, wait a second. How is that awesome? <laughs> like, it, is, it is really an awesome story. It's some cool stuff that takes place. So I'm excited about people getting a book. Oh yeah. So it looks as if Amazon and all of the places, Amazon target, everybody is sold out of the book. Yeah. It's hard to get, which is crazy, which is a really awesome problem to have, I guess, but I have some. So if people want to go to, uh, funnyhowlifeworksbook.com. They can actually get a book there and I'll send it, I'll send it to them. I mean, my, my team will. So funnyhowlifeworksbook.com, you can get it or check Amazon again. It may be back up there. Now they may have got some more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I went to try and get a physical copy at first and it was sold out. I went to a few different places. So yeah, I got yeah, the, yeah. the Kindle version, which is great. I want to switch gears here a little bit. We've sort of touched on it, but you're a dad, which I love. Mm. And I've seen, like a lot of these videos that you've been posting with your daughter and things kind of sitting in the mm-hmm. car, mm-hmm. having fun and joking and that sort of thing. Do they have any kind of interest in what you do as far as like going down that road? Or is it something that's kind of like, this is dad's job. You know, we can see the benefits of it, so to speak. And yeah. they're, they're okay with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that. So, so my kids or just in general, I help them know that comedy for me is the vehicle. It's 
not the destination. Right. So my kids, some of my kids do have a great sense of humor, but I explained to them, you, you, sh- there's no such thing as a stand up, a pure stand up comedian. Right. Like there may be people who only do stand up comedy, but it's just because they don't know what they're supposed to attach to it. So they're just feeding you straight seasoning as opposed to comedy is really just a seasoning for a meal you're supposed to present. So my desire for all of my kids is really to, to get clarity about what the meal is you're supposed to present. And if you're funny add that seasoning, or if you're clever at that seasoning, or if you're really witty and smart at that seasoning, or if you can sing at that seasoning. So I really try to talk to them in terms of just making sure you're adding the seasoning to what God is giving you to present to the world. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah, that's interesting because I think there are people who just classify themselves as straight stand-ups, but there's got to be other things. And we're not yeah. talking like a pod. Maybe it's a podcast or maybe it's a YouTube yeah. channel. But for you, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, it's mm-hmm. I feel like that's a great way to describe it. It's a full meal. Like I feel mm. like I can see you on YouTube or I can see you live or listen to your YouTube channel mm. or your book. And it mm. all kind of just melts together. It's not just like, oh, thanks, you know, yeah, it's very true. Like, OK, headlining tonight at the punchline, Michael Jr. It's like an hour of bang, bang, bang. And. Thanks, okay, man. now that what? It's so awesome that you see that. It's true. It is true. That is you so know, awesome, man. I think, you know, as I think about this, it's like, I think that's pe- why people like to do maybe meet and greets or, you know, one on ones mm. with people because they want that connection, right? Like yes. the human connection of, yes. of, of whoever it is, whatever the entertainment is that they're consuming, right? I think that's what oh, it that's is. That's good. That is good. Absolutely. And, and I feel like with you, we get that kind of looking back at all of this as we wrap up you've you've done a lot i know you've told stories before about you know how you got started and that sort of thing sort of looking over everything and i don't feel that there are any regrets necessarily but on your trajectory of this would there have been anything that you might have changed or done differently to sort of get you where you are I mean, it's kind of a deep Dude, question, a question, but man. but maybe not. I mean, great. maybe everything would be the same. I don't know. It's different for everybody. Yeah, I think if I could change something, I think I would probably be more sensitive as a dad, meaning not the career. Well, I would just be more sensitive as a dad. Like I grew up in a household where, uh, you know, I, I got discipline for sure. My parents are amazing, amazing, amazing. But I wish I would, even when I was a young dad, I should say, that I would listen mm. a little more, like just listen a little more first and then also allow my kids to fail a little wow. more. Even when they're like four years old, I need to just allow them to fail when they're small more. And they did. But then as they get older, they can easily, they, they know how to get themselves up from that, from that little fall. That's one thing I would change. And then comedy wise, no, because again, comedy is just a seasoning for right. everything else I do in life. So, but but it, I, if I if I could actually go back, I wouldn't be changing about comedy. I'd be changing some of the big stuff, like being a dad. Like that's what that's I was. A be good point that actually kind yeah. of is convicting as we're sitting here talking. Because I feel like you know sometimes it's easy for me. My son is six to want to like mm-hmm. course correct him in the. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's doing something dangerous, obviously yeah, you know. But right. if he's just, I could see he's making a poor decision. Well, an example, he went and bought a game that he wasn't supposed to get and i knew he did it on purpose mm. and then it's like kind of trying to understand the reasoning behind it and being a better listener instead of just assuming you know 
the worst, right? And letting letting yeah, them fall yeah. and kind of make them, yeah, you know, learn yeah. to fall and get back up again and be more yeah. sensitive. I think that's it, super you know what's valuable. Cool about even that example is cool. If you work on the relationship with your son, for example, and then he buys a game that he shouldn't, then your leverage isn't really, hey, I'm a discipline, you, I'm a spank you. He hurt the relationship. Yeah. Wow. So now, you know what I mean? Now it's like, oh, snap, what did I do? Like, that's the leverage that you really want because it's truth. He did hurt by not listening, but you got to have that relationship first. If you don't have that relationship, he's like, because I wanted a game. You yeah. buy games all the time. So, yeah, that's that's that's. <laughs> I see really you order get. stuff on Amazon. So why can't exactly. I? Exactly. And the fact that he was asking me, hey, dad, what seven times three? That should have probably been my first clue. <laughs> that he's trying that to get hilarious. in and, and hack the code. But I digress. Hilarious. I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with Danny Silk, if you've heard of him before, but he talks a lot about that, about, you know, powerful relationships. And, and it's not so much about the discipline, but hurting the relationship and using that leverage mm. of, wow. you know, it's very wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I wow, tell you, folks, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, he talks cool. a lot about that, you know, as far as like powerful who there's two types of people in a relationship there's one who's powerful and then there's one who's not it's all biblically based obviously but talking about you know disciplining your children it's not so much about the consequence but so much more about how the relationship has been damaged and how can we that work towards building that trust back again and as you mentioned the leverage of kind of going this way or that way, but oh, that's good, it's man. crazy times. Well, one last question here, Michael, mm -hmm. as we wrap up, sort of shifting gears to a lighter topic. Did you ever have a job when you were starting out in this career that you felt like that you were good at, that you were successful at, that if you ever had to go back to, you would to kind of like pay the bills as you were building this career or, or no, did you just mm -hmm. kind of start out with this and then that was kind of you know how it all worked yeah, out for I've had you. jobs before i used to be i used to own an oil change business when i was like 19 years old oh, or wow it was completely miserable it was, <laughs> okay. it was miserable like i just didn't like it at all I, I i really enjoy being an entrepreneur i just didn't like the idea of of being under a car changing the oil and all that oh, stuff gosh. i i like talking to people i really so i like being at the top of the car communicate with the with the people in any, any situation where someone needs something and I get to help them, dude, I thrive at that. I really like it. We, we started a nonprofit called funny for the forgotten where we go to homeless shelters and prisons and different places really to take comedy there. So I'm really just looking to connect with people any way that I can. So if it's a job where I can connect, I'm down with it for sure. Also, let me say, I think as far as your son, though, whatever you do, do not discipline him this week. If he happens to go by, Funny how life works. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It's interesting. I texted his mom mm -hmm. uh, and she's like, well, if a six-year-old is asking you a very challenging multiplication question for something, that's probably <laughs> a red flag, dude. And right. I was like, she's like, I hope you're not you doing didn't. homework. Right. No, he's not. He's in first grade. He's right. not doing seven times three. Hilarious. Well, Michael Jr., this has been a delight. Dude, you're a, awesome, man. The full meal deal, the book, the podcast, the YouTube channel, all of that. We'll make sure people link it. We'll, we'll link Thanks, it in bro. our show notes. Michael Jr., thank you for sharing your afternoon with me. It's been a pleasure. Dude, you're awesome, man. You you do this very, very, very well. As you know, I got a podcast. 
you do this very well, very well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the kind words. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.